Hello. Oh, hi. Hi, Mr. Fazli Mustafa. Hi. Wow, finally, finally, yeah. we are able to sit down and, and have a proper chat. <laughs> so, yes, yes, wow. Um, uh, just so you know, I've already started recording. <laughs> because um, I think it's going to be pretty cool uh, the first time you and I speak ever. And it's already on the podcast. So, um, I don't know whether you like that or not, but that's what's happening right now. So, I hope you will, kalau, kalau kau rasa macam, uh, sial betul Vikri ni. It's just, I, I'm going to apologize in advance, but I do think this is an interesting opportunity for something unique for now. <laughs> so, yeah. Is that okay with you? Or shall we start again and pretend as if we are talking for the first time? No. No <laughs> problem. No problems. All right. Excellent. Um, well, Mr. Fazli Mustafa, um, how are you doing? I'm good, Alhamdulillah. It's a bit packed, by the way, the workplace, but yeah, everything so far is good. Alright, we're going to get to your workplace in a short while. Um, a little backstory here. Number one, um, we've been wanting to do this interview for quite a while, uh, because I... Yeah, I, I I happened to watch a number of your films and I promoted it to the people at Vitsi as a way of, you know, well, what do you guys think about these uh, short films? Uh, there's There are two short films you have made, When dan Setitis uh, Harapan. And uh, luckily they were both accepted and, and now both of those uh, films are up online. So perhaps bagi mereka yang mungkin belum kenal sama saudara Fazli dan mungkin ingin dapat tahu Mamat ni dia buat apa sebenarnya kan right you can just head over to vitsi.com and then check it out the links will of course be included in the show notes but that was I think uh, I would say 4 months uh, maybe 3 months 4 yeah. months that you and I have been in communication via Facebook lepas tu Muz uh, another member of this podcast he was supposed to meet up with you and interview you uh, but that didn't work out either and then we thought okay tak apa um, let's just do it by email kan and then and then at the end of the day I thought well actually you know it'd be quite interesting to have you as a special guest on the podcast so yeah. so that's uh, a bit of the background as to uh, how we came to this point here another point is that uh, you're not actually at home are you? <laughs> I'm Okay, alright. No worries, so long as we have some kind of connection to allow us to communicate, right? Um, hopefully, we, this whole podcast will go, the rest of the interview will go smoothly. When you told me that the internet was down, aku rasa macam ini lagi satu uh, dugaan yang yang Allah telah <laughs> wujudkan untuk untuk um, menyukarkan lagi situasi ini bagi uh, Encik Fazli Mustafa dan Encik Fikri Jamadi. So it's like, you know, and, and then I thought, never mind, you know, we're going to push forward and we're going to go and carry forward with this particular interview, right? So, but like I said, I have an idea of who you are, alright? But... Our listeners, they're, they're probably wondering, who is Fazli Mustafa and, and what do you do? Alright, um, okay, a little bit about myself. Uh, yeah, my name is Fazli Mustafa. Uh, I was originally born in Santan, but I'm raised in Kapong. Uh, I'm an Asian. Alright. Uh, I am uh, a freelance uh, filmmaker, but uh, as a daytime job, I am black. But um, 
I think uh, my background is not really in film actually. Because I came briefly, uh, I was from a technical school. I came from mechanical engineering. Uh, I was in the technical school in Kuala And I pursued uh, a matriculation whereby I continued doing a science, a physical science. Then I continued doing industrial design. Halfway, then I found myself in doing doing uh, okay. so, yeah, that's a bit of my Right. So you did mechanical engineering. Just just to get this clear, right? You you did mechanical engineering. Yeah. And then you also yeah. did industrial design. Oh wow! Well, yeah. And and now wow! And <laughs> now you're in filmmaking. Um, yeah. That's that's a very interesting path. What what was the moment yang yang buat kau rasa macam you know you don't want to do all those stuff and then you you really want to just try this whole film thing? Uh-huh. Uh, me myself, I was not the kind of guy who was very uh, picky with camera. I'm not those those kind of guy, and I was not really a fan of films. I I very rarely go to the cinema even nowadays. <laughs> But okay. then, um, after my medication, so that's where uh, the time where I have to choose my like, my undergraduate for the which course I want to do. So I chose uh, UTM. Uh, I did actually like I did that course for I think for uh, two months later, and uh, I start to look back and then okay, this is not I want myself. So this is not where I want want to be in the next like, five years and ten years time. I'm not happy doing what I'm doing right now. So I. You know, I looked around for a few um, campers, I went to the university, and then I went to Limpawing. They opened uh, a few courses, and mm-hmm. I found this film is uh, one of the courses that attracted me. Uh, because when I, when I went to their like, kind of open day, I saw the cameras, they have the green screen, switches, whatever, so they're having like, wow, that's kind of nice, it's the kind of environment I wanted to be in. And mm. it started from there, basically. Okay, all right. That's very interesting. Um, do you, do you have a particular? You know, you said just now that you don't really watch that many films um, from before and even now. But um, can we identify a film or a filmmaker that you would say is influential or your favorite for you? Martin Scorsese. Oh, why, why him in, in particular? It's his way of doing something. It's an art of how he build up the characters and the way they communicate. But it's how his artwork really pinpoints his style. And then you have to see when you watch it, you know. And that looks more like an in an artist way, but it's in a more storyline or anti way. I will go for uh, what's the guy named Andreas Bastet, that the director. What is his name? The guy who did pop fiction. Uh, oh yeah, he, Quentin Tarantino. Yeah, Quentin Tarantino. Uh, he's, he's one of the guys I like to watch because of his super facts, his facts, his storyline. So he always have these chapters kind of way, you know. Yeah. 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 Um, what was the film uh, that you have made, the, your first film, and how did how did you make it? Did you manage to include any of uh, Scorsese or Tarantino elements in that film? When I first 
started it was uh, I mean doing that that part is that the development education I had no background no knowledge at all so it took me quite a while to pick up so during my first year I was just uh, following along it was always a good time and it started school and I was just following along along with my roommate but then when I moved to second year that was my first time that I actually directed something went right but also during that time um uh, I didn't really manage to implement what what I I I think I think I've learned from all these masters of cinema. But um that project was quite interesting because um coming from uh, not a film background person but what put myself there is I I I said to myself okay I'm in my second year and it has I need to do something no but I don't know anything but the only way that I can do is to put myself in a situation where I have to do something. So I just had to just for two assignments, but we went all the way to Pakistan. We ran equipment like a proper production. Because if just to defend the school project, I would never be in that position. Hmm. So me and and a few friends, we said, okay, let's do this. This is our first time actually doing something a proper production. And then yeah, we do that. And then from out of that project, is where I've learned a lot of things. How the proper planning, the rules, those like you know when you when you went when you attend any any film film class, they always say oh pre production is the most important thing. But only at that time, I realized oh, yeah, it's the organization and all the communication and how how you are your planning actually helps you in your uh, post production. So that project actually helped me to keep up uh, my kind of filmmaking, filmmaking craft. All right, okay. Uh, well, that's very interesting. In the time, uh, in the uh, be- before we get to your next films, you you mentioned about how you you kept on um, wondering whether you you know you didn't have any technical abilities and and whatnot. So, but you know you started pretty much from zero, like when when it comes to films and filmmaking. But but you're not zero per se. You have done something before in the past. I'm just wondering um, how much of what you have done previously in industrial design and in uh, engineering that that you were able to bring into the filmmaking activities. Uh, mostly, uh, it's from industry that is most of the design. So I learned uh, about it was only my first semester there. So most of it involved uh, design kind of partners on the design study, sketches uh, and other things. So that helped me mostly when I was I'm brainstorming my. That's interesting. I, I mentioned that because you're not the only filmmaker uh, that I know who actually made the jump from engineering. Uh, I think uh, Ho Yu Hang, dulu pun dia belajar engineering, electrical or something. I, I can't remember what kind of engineering per se, but the point is it is something specifically in the engineering field. And then, of course, our mutual friend, Encik Mas Irwan Azani. Uh, he, uh, Irwan actually... Uh, had uh, a background as well in engineering so uh, for some reason I don't know why there's a shitload of engineers who just <laughs> be- uh, who's very unhappy with engineering but uh, decided to become happy with filmmaking so that's that's the thing that kind of caught my attention when you mentioned that uh, it kind of jumps to mind lah, right so okay of course uh, that, that was your first film um we move on to your your two films, uh, the one that, that really caught my attention, uh, Satitis Harapan and When. Uh, both of these films took part in some film competitions. I'm just going to focus on Satitis Harapan first for now. How did you get the idea to make this film? Uh, did you make it because of the competition? Or memang pada awalnya kau memang dah nak buat film ni, but then the competition 
just came at the right time. Uh, what what was the competition actually? I think it was Berjaya Youth, right, or something? No. My Harapan, it was uh, uh, NGO from the youth. They are trying to develop uh, the information, even the platform for youth in Malaysia. Yes, that's right, that's right. All right, just explain a bit. How how did that film get started? Okay, uh, I did that in my final year in. Uh, at that time, uh, at first it was just a competition. We we always wanted to do uh, a project among our classmates, and we never really pursued it because uh, I'm not sure why. Not, come to think of it, I'm not sure why we never really pushed ourselves to it. But at that time, during my final year, only I I think okay, let's like, let's do it. And my lecture is usually that competition and so on. So that's why we did it. But at first, there was a competition. We did a little short film and nothing. And then the day we win and win. But when we start to do it, and then we finish, we put it online, and then what it turns out to be is nothing that we expected. And it's not what we expected when we start to do it. It's kind of like I'm going to kick start my, my career as well. You know, you start to get noticed, and then uh, a lot of the food response from people. And then that, that shot also was, because we had, we had a friend who lived in uh, LA, in the States, and she mm. shared the, the video among her photographer community. Mm. And then, at first, the, the shot was released without any subtitles. So those people who watch it was without any subtitles. So the people in LA, they watch it, and then, they, they they got the idea they some of them even even here but then we didn't even without understanding what the, the characters are saying so it was something huge for us hmm. originally from a competition and then originally from us just wanted trying to do something trying to put whatever we've learned from practice because from the first my first job was uh, the title was good right from that and through the Karapan, it was uh, one year and a half, so we did nothing. Only two assignments, so nothing uh, a good product in particular. So yeah. at the end, when I, I, I almost finished with my study, then there was a time, okay, we need to do something. Because we are graduating soon, we don't have anything, <laughs> let's try to at least get some story or portfolio. Yeah. And I used that same uh, shopping manager for my final project. We won the competition. Uh, it was a two-run competition. most difficult part or the most challenging part about making Setete Sarapan? Uh, I think that very interesting. Uh, actually, Setete Sarapan was made quite <laughs> uh, because the first one did it uh, halfway with a different character. Uh, what? Say that again? Half, halfway? Yeah, halfway with the structure was made with a different character. So there was a different uh, young girl. Oh yeah, uh, okay. The one that we use now is Sarapan, yeah. Before that, it was uh, just some, I think some Chinese school that uh, one of my friend's mother is teaching at his uh, primary school. So we mm-hmm. asked one of the students to act like So as we started, we did for, I think, two days already. Mm-hmm. And then it didn't turn out as how we expected. It didn't carry the story and then the character couldn't really perform uh, well. And then we we pulled back for one, and then we, we discussed: should we change the character or should we proceed? And then we say, hey, and then hey, let, let's do it. And happened to be Paramedia. She's a good uh, young talent. She acted in uh, a few drama films. Alright, so she has some uh, experience, huh? Yeah, she's got an experience, young actress. So we approached her, and then she agreed, and then from there, it was just a very fun journey with her. And she delivered everything exactly as how we make it, and then we cannot execute it. Wow, okay. Well, I, I didn't know about yeah. that. that. That's always 
yeah. a, a challenging part lah. You know, if if halfway you have to change or, or you have to make such a decision, it, it's it's always yeah. quite nerve wracking in some ways, huh? <laughs> yeah, half half of the budget <coughs> actually went for us to redo everything. So, <laughs> <laughs> that was the difficult part. But the end product actually it was worth it right uh, one thing that stood out for me when I watched the film uh, is how uh, when she skipped school she did so for a reason to help um, I think her parents right uh, her mother as I recall it right now so make some money make ends meet basically right so yeah. the, the theme of, of this difference in, in social economic classes um it, was this a very deliberate thing, um, number one? And and if so, what is it about this issue that made you want to make this this film? Uh, right. Mama, they are going. Wow. Oh, the challenges continue, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> But um, I, I find it that uh, this is something that a lot of people think and try to express creatively, uh, especially in the form of short films. Uh, but very few films actually manage to properly encapsulate the the conflicts that characters feel. You know, whether, whether they want to satisfy what other people expect of them, ataupun something that's a bit more personal, macam dia tolong mak bapak dia and whatnot. You know, so it's. It's interesting. It, it helps to provide a, a, a slightly different perspective uh, relative to other films. The thing is, uh, I'm quite tempted to label you, <laughs> if, if you are to use label, right? Uh, as a social filmmaker, so about dalam film when, as well, you, you kind of tackle a lot of the same issues. Um, in, in, not so much ever. Not so much. Um, how can I say this? A young girl who wants to help a family, but but socially speaking. These are two films that stood out in its own way. Uh, thematically, at least, I feel like they have something to say. Um, am I right, or am I? Is this? Am I? Is this just an accidental thing? Uh, at first, it was. It was. It was I, we didn't use deliberately. I mean, it was not planned. But then, when when, when we did this Harapan, so it was just an idea. It goes up from there. But then, when we the first went, so when we did went for the second round of the competition. Life cycle, and then we took the example concept 
because it represents the society in general. From one person, it travels to the second person. Uh, I think I, I've seen uh, the different forms of video, I can't remember, whereby, mm. I think it was called Life Jacket, uh, whereby one person do something, and then the other person saw it, and then, and then that person helped, and then it continues, the next person helped, and then it helped. So, oh, okay. kind of pay it forward, you would say. You, know, you do something, and then it returns, it might mm. help you, it might have that was the idea. We wanted to create that, that we are addressing what is not right, bring us down with the society, what is happening with the actual school. Hmm, okay. I, there's another film that it kind of reminded me of as well. It's a short film called Sanzaru, directed by, I think, Adam Sinclair. Um, it's, just, uh, it's a, Mal- a Malaysian short film as well. Um, similarly, there was, there was one point near the end of the film where it kind of raises the question of who do you, who, how can I say this, um, who is willing to step forward, you know, to step up to the plate and then take responsibility to do something, you know, and, and I feel like this the same theme and issue kind of comes out in when, but in in a different way. Um, you mentioned, of course, using different characters, right? I, of course, kalau kita buat film though, I mean, just to make a film with just a few characters pun is already quite challenging as it is. So now here you are, <laughs> you're making, I mean, in Satiti Sarapan, you, you had to go through a number of different uh, actors just for one character. So in this case, I don't know why, but you... you <laughs> Um, it seems that you didn't learn your lesson because you had many different characters. So I, it's interesting. But what what is it that made you really decide on this approach instead of looking at things through a more singular character? Very interesting, but that must also be quite difficult, right? Because especially now that you're dealing with professional actors who have a very specific schedule to keep to, um, was was there any real difficulty with coordinating the shoot so that everybody can fit in at the, at the right time? Because you have some scenes where a character appears earlier in the scene, right? Uh, uh, earlier in the film, rather, in one of the earlier scenes. Lepas tu, at the end, kita nampak dia lagi kan. It just either passing by or just for one shot. We, we see that connectivity. Um, were there any specific challenges that um, made this difficult for you? Yeah, at first, uh, it wasn't... They wasn't the first start of the uh, I approached a few other uh, talents. Um, but then, happened to be, the day that I wanted to shoot was the first... January, the first, the first day of the month. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, are they were they hungover or something? <laughs> uh, 
didn't say that, oh, we can't join because we are having a party whatsoever. But they say, oh, I'm, I'm at my grandparents' house celebrating the video. But you gotta know, okay, so this guy might not be able to come So we, we went to a few uh, people we contacted as a person, and then that's where we end up with the talents whoever we have in that video. So the whole thing was shot in one day only. We started around, wow. I think, um, one o'clock, huh? and then finished with a clock around two or three a.m. in the morning. The B-rolls, I mean, at the beginning of the film, the B-rolls, yeah, both were shot by him and in a different day. But the actual mm-hmm. whole shot film was shot in, in one day. So they can commit for one day, and then we tweet everything in one day, because we know some of them might not come again, and with their schedule and all, so we... Wow, ladies and gentlemen, tuan-tuan dan sekalian, um, if you guys have managed to actually make the time to watch when, and then if you try to process the fact that this film was shot primarily in one day, um, there is something that truly I, I, for myself, I kind of have to applaud as well because it's, it's not an easy thing to do <laughs> with that kind of character, with, with that amount of characters and, and, and actors and also the different uh, places and, and whatnot. Um, especially one shot um, that was very poignant. Um, there's a shot of the, uh, of the Malaysian flag and then the camera is kind of attached to kind of um, helicopter or rot- uh, rotoscope. Or I, I, I'm not sure what it is, but um, maybe uh, you, c- you can talk through us a bit um, about that particular shot because that, that was, I think for me, that was the money shot. Of, of the whole thing but it must have been also the most challenging and so maybe you can talk us, to, us, to us about that okay that, that shot was done by a professional operator operator mm-hmm. uh, uh, yeah, yeah, company name that was done um, voluntarily not voluntarily <laughs> but uh, the, I'm not paying them the actual piece Mm-hmm. They, I'm just paying them their soul and duty. So, but they come. They, they came for my set uh, around, I think, 1, one a.m. They, they just returned from another shoot and they came there just to shoot that final piece. Uh, so it was interesting because otherwise I couldn't have stop that shot. But mm. we really wanted to portray it in that kind of sense whereby um, from a view and then actually uh, we wanted from from uh, bottom view and then it goes up to see the whole KL but we didn't manage to do that so right. but uh, it was done I think three takes yeah if you check it wow they, they managed to do that three takes and it took us about half an hour to do it yeah wow there was that Lorong uh, in I think Jalan or was in Kaukit <laughs> and so you shot in Chowkit at one o'clock in the morning. Um, were there any any alongs or, or gangsters who came and, and took money from you guys? <laughs> I'm fine. I'm blessed to be able to shoot that because we the, the shot whereby the Audi came in mm-hmm. and then he was dealing with the drug uh, dealer and mm-hmm. then there was shot there as well. So we to bring that Audi there, we had to basically pay whoever owns that particular robot or whatever you call it. Okay. So my PM happens to be a very good one. Uh-huh. Like the who is in charge of that area and then we pay them. Okay. And then page for the DBKL as well as the authority police. Okay, so good job. Um, okay, uh, sorry, sorry to kind of cut you off there. Uh, but this is actually quite an intricate detail that I think a lot of the listeners would be interested in. How do you find out who owns the area, per se? I mean, in terms of you know, um, the people you paid money to. Yeah. Uh, so I, I don't really have that. <laughs> but you need to find a good PM. A good PM normally comes with a full contact. Mm-hmm. And then they, among themselves, the group of PM themselves, they know which area you can shoot, you cannot shoot, and then which area owns by food. Mm-hmm. And this, this guy just go by himself, and then he said, okay, Nothing. We can shoot a jalan jalan, and then the next day we came in there with an Audi, the poster poster, full band with two and all, and then yeah, and then and then as well, the the guy that we paid, they sent their their man to buy us to make sure nothing went wrong. Wow. 
wondering about that. Um, can you share with us how much it costs to shoot there? Uh, to shoot at that area? Yeah, I mean, how, how much do you pay to shoot there? Uh, uh, just the area, I think I pay around 150. Oh, okay. The guy who owns that, that area particularly, just for them to send their man and then to make sure nothing happens. And then the rest I paid for the authorities. Uh, Okay. That's very interesting, and it qu- it's quite relevant f- um, for the next question as well. Because uh, when specifically um, it was something that was dealing with uh, public safety and security, um, yeah. since making that film, of course, you had the idea that oh, you know, there's, there's there's a lot of things going wrong in 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 KL or in this country at that moment. But since making that film and now, do you feel like there's been a change? Uh, in in in, uh, in society, in terms of how safe how safe you feel. For me personally, uh, I I don't really I can't really measure how much success of it whether people are making things or not. But based on the feedback I get from it, when the film was released, I got quite a number of private messages from people from mm. the audience. I. I've never known now and they contact me they say hey this is really good and then we really support you whatever you are doing mm. and then let, let's make the, the society let's make Malaysia better place and I think that uh, even one person or two person out of them start to make a change in I can't I can't make everyone change but if one person out of those people they change they start to to act when something happens and then I think it's a success in terms of how safe you are now, I, I, I Alright, okay, fair enough. Uh, you talk about the feedback you get from your audience members um, for the film When. What about Satitis Harpan? What, what was the feedback like uh, for, for that film? Uh, the biggest uh, feedback that we got was from the uh, LA community. I can't remember where she resides in, but from the state. And then she shared the video among her photographic community. And then they really uh, coming from them, you know. And then they, without understanding what these characters are talking about, they really the film delivered well, even without having to understand the language. So that is, I think, it's really good. Something that we make achieve. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, I, I I do agree. Certainly, yeah. Memang dalam film tu ada dialogue and and uh, certain bits of information that is delivered vocally. But visually speaking, you can watch both when and Setiti Sarapan. Yeah, you don't have to be Malaysian in order to be able to understand these two films. And that's the the thing that I felt macam when you mentioned about uh, your background in industrial design. Um, I don't know whether it's conscious or whether I'm just like overreaching here, but certainly I felt that it kind of helps to explain why both films are very, uh, how can I say this, visually competent, you know, not just in every single shot, it's a good shot, but in terms of how you want to deliver or, or communicate what you wish to communicate. So I, I, I would agree, at least in that regard, lah, you know. Um, I suspect kalau kau tunjuk film ni uh, to someone in Mongolia, <laughs> Um, they they have a fighting chance of understanding. So, 
I can't say the same for Bosia or KL Gangster. So yeah, yeah. It's, uh, you, you need to understand the <laughs> the, the poetry, yeah. Yeah, the poetry of KL Gangster. Uh, but for Setiti Sarapan, the the visual poetry, if you like, uh, that's something that stood out for me. Um, we'll move on from the ass kissing part where I just praise you to the high heavens, and <laughs> we'll we'll go on to your lecturing career. Okay, you mentioned earlier. Uh, sekarang kau seorang pensyarah the uh, Lim Kok Wing University, right? Um, can you just tell us a bit more about, um, you know, uh, about how your lecturing career? How how did it get started, really? Um, and why why lecturing? I was an student there. I was I was an alumni. Uh, but when I started to join, I enrolled as a scholarship student. So they offered me a scholarship, mm-hmm. uh, not academically, but a sports scholarship. Okay. So uh, it was a hundred percent kind of tuition fee by tuition fee. So with that, it comes a two years only contract. So that's how I ended up as a lecturer. So once ah. I finish my studies, then I have to serve them for two years. Now I'm serving my second year there. transition because it seems like you switch not literally oh, yeah. overnight but but pretty quickly from being officially being a student to officially being a, a lecturer again um, what what kind of transition um, did you go through as in was was it much like, you know you just click your fingers and everything's fine or like, do you still think like a student or, or what hey, it was it was quite uh, uh, okay. because, because you know your lectures and then suddenly turn into your colleagues. <laughs> the mm. amount of respect that you have for them, uh, the, 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 how you say, the communication, the relationship between you and them now changes. Mm. And, and uh, me, myself, uh, I couldn't, if, when I, before I viewed the my faculty or the campus different, so I was just a part of students. And then now I'm on the other side. And mm. then it took me a while. <laughs> camera to everything and then uh, to communicate with the student and then not an easy task at first you were just adapting uh, you are learning you are taking you are absorbing all the information now you have to deliver the information mm. and it's not easy as it seems <laughs> at first you when, when you are in class some, sometimes you see uh, this lecture talking about I can't really understand this is very boring mm. now being in front trying to do that now you understand what <laughs> My my own um, personal experience is also very similar in that regard. I you know I previously I studied at Monash University, uh, and then later on I kind of came back and became uh, a part of the teaching staff. And it was for me the the, the 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 two things that stood out for me was how, as you mentioned just now, cara kita cakap dengan pensyarah yang ada kat sana kan. You know previously they were people you you look up to and 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 the the people who whose every word you you hang on to you know but now it's it's you still respect them of course but sekarang officially speaking you're somewhat a lot closer uh, in terms of formal positions so there's just a slight difference that's pretty interesting but cool at the same time you know i for a lot of the lecturers i don't know whether this is a monash thing or not mungkin um, a lot of other universities bukan jenis got but a lot of the lecturers kat monash they prefer to to be addressed as um, not 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 with their titles, but with just their first names. Usually, uh, some of them yeah with the titles, um, but for the most part, macam 
you know, uh, Dr. Andrew Ng, for example, um, they do sampai sekarang, he's always um, quite pissed kalau semua orang panggil dia doktor tau. So, it's, uh, it's strange to kind of call him by his first name. But then, it became cool and interesting. And and this guy who used to teach me, now his room is next to mine. So, there's just this very weird feeling about it. And But for me, I had at least, I would say, five years well, between the end of my studies and the start of my teaching career, so that's that's that transition period for you. It's just over <laughs> pretty much overnight, again. so it's uh, yeah, it's it's interesting like that. And then for me as well, an- another aspect um, of this is how I look at my students. It's about it, they are my students, but at the same time, they're kind of like my super juniors. You got So there's a certain link between me uh, and my students. Is there that kind of relationship as well between you and your student? Like, um, do you feel that, I don't know, extra sense of responsibility? Uh, in a way, yeah. Uh, when, when I started uh, as a teaching staff in, in the uni, uh, the first thing that I wanted to do is uh, to change however it is that I think is not right when I was a student. Hmm. And then when, I, when I'm actually doing it, it's not as easy as how it that like did they kind of treat you like oh this is an easy pass Fuzzly you know one of us is now the the boss so but That's always a challenge, uh, and it's a very interesting challenge. I think nowadays, uh, certainly in in a lot of the places I've taught at, uh, there's just uh, I don't know, just number one, a shortage of people yang boleh ajar subject film, but also at the same time, um, generally speaking, a shortage of people all around because uh, I feel like lecturers nowadays are getting younger and younger and younger, and it's yeah. it's interesting to see how this age. Uh, gap is getting smaller and smaller between both uh, the students and the lecturers. Uh, what I want to focus on now, uh, the next question at least, is the for the students, right? Basically, the students uh, they go and, and study films and whatnot. But tapi bila dah habis, you like you mentioned earlier, kadang-kadang nak cari kerja tu is it's not the easiest thing in the world, right? Because there are still a lot of people who have graduated, got a paper qualification, tapi nak cari kerja susah, right? So. For you, at least, um, in a field that's already littered with freelancers and and short-term engagements and people who actually, um, how can I say this, uh, don't have the paper qualifications tapi dah ada the practical experience, so, um, how can the fresh graduates of uh, filmmaking courses uh, stand out? How, what, what can they do to really put, put themselves forward? Um, that's exactly how I see myself. I, when I 
graduated, okay, this is not an easy place to be. But as I move on, time time I do a bit of freelancing work as well. And I what what we heard first, the person who attends school and the person who grows up doing practically, you know, starting from handyman all the way up to EOP. What makes us different is I think what we learn in school uh, academically. They maybe they specialize in one element or one one technical aspect. For us, we learn the whole process of it from from the planning part, the writing process, everything, to the production and the post production. And we learn how to manage stuff. We learn how to communicate skills. Some of these people who who freelancers. They never attend school. Their commercial skills are not as well. Their creative thinking, their idea generation. So that's that's how we come in. I think if we want to compete with them, of course we can't compete with them. And it's okay. So they've been doing it like what for twenty years now. <laughs> we just ended a camera was five months, <laughs> five, five years ago, and then they've been doing it for twenty years. Mm. And then we can't really compete in terms of technical. But how we can compete is in terms of our professionalism, our 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 skills, our our ideas. That's, that's a very fair point. Kind of just see what it is that we can do um, better than others, and try to see whether that can make us stand out more um, within a more general context, right? Um, not just from film students, but but from a, a more macro perspective. Uh, and this is actually a question. Uh, uh, our friend of the podcast, uh, one of the co co hosts, if you like, Moose, uh, he's the one who kind of came up with this question, and I think it's an interesting question, right? Uh, the fact is. Um, we've had a lot of government support to make films in Malaysia, and, but we still lag behind quite a lot of other countries, uh, especially countries like Thailand and Indonesia. And in their case, they don't actually have the, the same kind of support. Um, just in your opinion, what do you think is still lacking in our film industry? How can we stand out? Um, uh, in this region, at the very least, I think um, that there are two things that I have in my seven. I think personally, these are the key things uh, which are still holding us back from you know, competing with Thailand or other countries. First is our audience uh, coming at my age as well. I have my friends who don't even watch movies. They they have this kind of Malay films, I don't want to watch. They are not far and they, they are very skeptical about it. It's, hmm. it's, it's the so from the ground rule, we don't have the support. So how are we going to proceed from that? We don't have the audience. Because when you do something, you're representing the audience. You want the audience to watch, to see it, to buy tickets, whatever it is. But if you have a product, you don't have a buyer. <laughs> it won't work, right? Yeah. So that's and the thing is, I think uh, the Malaysian cinema is very. Uh, they play safe. Most of the key players, mm. they have Malaysia, they they have a trend. This is what I I'm observing. 
uh, it's either love story or a story character story. Whenever something goes up, it will be successful. Everyone wants to do it. For example, Gary Gangster comes up and it's successful. It makes millions in, in the cinema. And mm. then I have other films start to go like relating related to gangsterism. Mm. No, and then it pays out. And then love story uh, comes out. And then other people are trying to love stories. And then it's always about that. No one tries to do something different. Why? Because they afraid they have to be support and they are not playing love differently. As for when they say, I committed it to a drama festival for you for. They did a competition for those dramas that they show on TV3. Uh, mm-hmm. And then they did a side competition for short love. I committed for it to Harapan event. Alright. So, Harapan was a very successful context of ne uh, because this is uh, the one thing i find interesting about uh, lecturers we, we do have some kind of how can i say this um some kind of role to play in this particular process um of, of course our influence is limited but all the same um if you have a free hand in teaching your students whatever it is that you can teach in however it is you want to teach it Um, what is it that you would do that would help to redress a bit of the imbalance here? Macam, you talk about uh, the audience tak nak pergi tengok filem ni ke ataupun uh, uh, people don't really want to go outside of the box. What would you do as, as a lecturer to kind of, um, if you like, open people's eyes to the bigger world of cinema? Okay, uh, most, most of my assignments, uh, I tend to let the students Yeah, I did that. There is more participation mm. because most my students they are the locals are only thirty percent. Sixty percent of them are international. Mm-hmm. Sometimes people are using some, are using the rest of the and then it's really interesting when you see what they have within themselves that mm. they want to do. Yeah, if you limit them with the content, okay, you only can do this, this kind of thing, and then they are being forced something that they don't really want to And I think with that, I'm also helping them develop uh, how to deliver what they have with it. For example, they have this idea how to deliver it. Uh, and then it, the idea came from various kind of things. Something, some of the ideas you won't be expecting it to, you know, uh, especially from the Middle East, and they are pretty artistic, I would say. Mm. Uh, Iran, from, from Palestine, yeah, they are really good. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, the locals, um, I, I can say, they are still, uh, they are still speak, they are still doing whatever they they, they are doing in the, the TV or in the cinema. Mm. Whenever I do a cinema, they always choose to do the gangster, mm. love, or 
correct. <laughs> I don't know why, but that seems to be the case. So, I, as a lecturer, my role, I'm trying to push them away out of their comfort zone, and then some of them start to do experimental kind of thing. They even do sci-fi. And <laughs> in, in general, I think I can just push them to pursue something differently out of their comfort zone, but it depends on them, because the, the society is already uh, holding them, you know, this, this is what but well, this is what works for the audience, so the, the young generation also trying to follow them. For example, my, my students from Zelda, they're trying to do great things, they're trying to do so they are, they are family with that, they are yeah, used to that kind of uh, show or hmm. So basically, a lot of them kind of regurgitate a lot of the same stuff that they have seen, right? So, uh, at least in this case, hmm? whatever they, they see in the movie, they are trying to replicate. They're trying to redo it. Yeah, yeah. It's just um, is is and is actually quite interesting in some ways, but for the most part, um. I don't know, I, I suppose this is uh, one way in which you and I and, and perhaps other people in, in their own ways can try to help break the cycle, huh, so to speak, so we can hopefully make newer, bigger, better films. Um, certainly, uh, uh, recently, uh, you, you talk about uh, a lot of this, uh, the same people getting a lot of the same kind of grants and, and financial support and whatnot. I... The, that, that's been quite true for a number of years. Tapi aku rasa uh, now we have a new guy uh, at Finas, Kamil Othman, who seems like uh, a, a guy with a very different kind of vision. And yeah. I, I I look forward to see what he has to say and do uh, in in more specific detail with regards to what we have just discussed. Huh? So so there's hope yet. There's hope yet. Don't give up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Film Rewani Shah, right? Rewani yeah. yeah. So it's something different uh, that, that uh, the new people, uh, yeah. uh, the Friday Night, it's, it's another example. Even Kill was shot a very low budget, but won the festival film. So even without that support, I think we can actually really uh, establish a film. Hmm. Hello? Fazli, you there? <laughs> uh, we have just lost a connection with Fazli right at the end of our session. Uh, I tell you what, I'm going to get him back on the line. So, ladies and gentlemen, don't go anywhere because we're going to be right back after this. Hello. I tell you what, the the the, the gods are not on our side for sure. Tapi <laughs> actually, you know, it's it's actually quite fine because um, we've pretty much um, covered all the all the questions that I've prepared for you, and we've pretty much uh, I don't know, um, yeah, I think I think we're just about done actually um, for the most part. Yeah. All right. Um, how how do you feel now now that we've finally done? This oh, interview. All right. Okay. Okay. Um. Yeah. Uh. I think. I think that's about it. 
I have to say, this is one of the m- most interesting interviews that we've done. Um, not just because uh, this is the first time that we have literally communicated vocally uh, with one another, and I think that's that's always a first for everything, but also the kind of uh, subjects that we've talked about and um, the, the, the insight they've given us with regards to your short films as well as um, Malaysian films as a whole. Uh, is there any... I know this sounds very final. Uh, it's not that like you're going to die anytime soon, hopefully, right? But uh, is there any final words that you wish to impart to our listeners for tonight? Um, I think uh, I would like... To, I think we are, we are going to do a second part of this, right? Getting the project. <laughs> but um, I really want to uh, discuss... Uh, um, Promote, ah, uh-huh. promote my my next project. It's oh yes, absolutely. I forgot. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I usually ask people of that, um, but I, I forgot to ask you. <laughs> sorry, bro. Um, yes, uh, yes. Let's promote your next project. What's coming up, bro? I didn't try to put it in not so desperate way. So try to find the right word. But yeah, so I I like to really. Uh, fantastic uh, certainly uh, as a theme and as a topic it is a very relevant and, and topical one um, I feel like uh, just to talk about that will be a whole other podcast <laughs> because it's, it's now the, the question in my head is oh how do you, how do you get the idea for this what are you going to do <laughs> but I'm just going to stop here and hopefully we'll save it for another time another day uh, when the and hopefully when the internet in your house is uh, working as well <laughs> Uh, but yeah, all right, um, ladies and gentlemen, we uh, we're going to help Fuzzly promote that. Um, when hopefully you, you you can give us a link later and whatnot, and we'll put it on our show notes and and help to promote it on Facebook and Twitter as well because it seems like a very worthy idea, certainly one that is uh, uh, um, worthy of further consideration at least. Um, I think for now, though, at the very least, um, Fuzzly, thank you very much. Yeah, I think a quarter, a third, a quarter of the year has went past, and 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 we're here finally. Um, I'm glad to have finally talked to you, and and hopefully we can do this again in the future. All right, okay, um, Mr. Fazli Mustafa, thank you very much. All right. Uh, <laughs> you're welcome. And ladies and gentlemen, uh, to our esteemed listeners for tonight, uh, thank you uh, for having spent the lovely night with us. Uh, hopefully it's a lovely night. If not, then this episode will have gone some way to make up for it. I, we, uh, and Fuzzly hope to see you guys uh, again soon. Thank you very much. And assalamualaikum. Alaikum.